And Malcolm's just going to quick um, part of each day or something in the day that we do every day. Uh, there's some things that are forced upon us that we need to do every day. Uh, eat, for instance, would you agree? That's important. Of course, we can all fast and they tell us you can go without food for many days, but generally for um, health and wholeness in our bodies, we need to uh, do that every day. There's some things that we have to do. There's some things that we do because we want to do because they're just very good things to do. So you could just see that we probably all live in a fairly cyclic kind of existence. And if you know what I mean by that, it means every day there's things that we do and there's seasons. There's four seasons in the year, isn't there? 365 days in the year, uh, 12 months in the, uh, in the year, uh, 24 hours in a day, 60 minutes in an hour. And so the list goes on of all the things that happen. And you know, the interesting span of a day, we have to do things, as I said, we have to maintain mobility, so maybe we've got a little bit of exercise. Some of us want to do more exercise uh, than we normally do. We need to drink water, which maintains moisture in our body. We need a daily focus or a vision for getting up every morning. Otherwise, we wouldn't have hope, would we? There's things that we need to have every day. There's, there's things that are important in life. God actually made the world in, a, in six days. And then the seventh day rested. And and, you know, day one he made this, day two he made this. He was very structured in what he did. And, and the reality is he established a routine of light and darkness over a 24-hour period. He did that for us. Because he thought, you know, um, they needed to have... Have you ever thought of it this way? When you sleep, it's always nice not to have light shining. Isn't that wonderful? God made darkness so we can at least have kind of sleep a lot more easier. Yeah, it's a good God, isn't he? You know, God's seasonal. You ever thought of the fact that, you know, that mandarins and citrus fruit and oranges always come out just before winter hits? Isn't that wonderful? And I've always discovered that the best thing to eat is how you don't get the, the cold over winter. Isn't that good? You know, God is incredible. The seasons and the cycles and the things that happen, He establishes routines for us. And it's a part of our life. And, and there's things we have to do on a daily basis or we fail to function properly in life. You know, if we were to look... In his word, and you know what? I forgot my little pointer. Can, how far, how, can you throw that far? Thanks, Jeff. No, it's right. Jeff's coming to grab it. Oh, thanks, Taylor. I've got everything coming everywhere. Brilliant. Um, Jesus, uh, thanks very much. Jesus was, I want to just talk about spiritual health check tonight. Is that cool? Because, you know, we go, you know, when you get over 40, they say, for men anyway, we should go to the doctor every 12 months. Is that right? Have you done that lately, Malcolm? Yeah? Five years for you. Oh, okay. Well, you know, whatever. But we all go for, hopefully, as we get a bit older, we do a bit of a physical health check. I think we should just do a bit of a spiritual health check tonight. And in relation to the daily events that happen, many times in the Bible, Jesus and other people talk about the realities of what they did on a daily basis. And in Matthew 14, 20, uh, 49, it just says, Jesus actually says, I was daily with you in the temple teaching. So a regular routine of Jesus, while he was alive on this earth for the three years, it mightn't have been every day, but a lot of the days, he'd go into the temple and he'd teach God's Word. Obviously, it wasn't the New Testament part of the Bible, it was the Old Testament part, but that's what he'd do every day, on a routine basis anyway. Uh, Jesus told us to do something on a daily basis. He said this, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, how often? Daily and follow me. Wow. 
to actually to live dead to self every day? Yeah, boy, that's a big call, isn't it? To live dead to our old nature, to live dead to all my independent ways, dead to my, my things that I want to see happen, you know? That's a big call, but that's what Jesus said. Daily would you do that for me? The early church did some things on a daily basis. Here's one. In Acts 2, 46, it just says they continued daily with one accord in the temple. In other words, one accord means in unity. So they, the, every day, they too themselves would be found in the temple, the new Christians, uh, listening to Jesus probably. Well, not in Acts, I suppose, because Jesus had already ascended into heaven, but listening to the apostles and the disciples. And daily they did that. Uh, another thing they did on a daily basis, as in Acts 11, uh, 13, received, they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. So they daily, they'd eagerly, you know, look at what the Old Testament said, what was being preached by whoever it was or what had been shared that day, and they'd go back and say, is that true? And they'd read it and they'd just explore it on a regular basis, they'd do it. Uh, here's another one. The Bible tells us to do some things daily. Hebrews 13, uh, 3 verse 13 says this, But exhort one another, or extort one, exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Now, there's a whole lot of little thoughts there, but the reality is it just says, why not on a daily basis just go around encouraging other people? I think that's a fantastic thing to do, don't you? Daily do that. That's what the Bible says. So you can see there's a regular set of routines and things that they did in the New Old and New Testament. And I thought, I started to think about the reality for us. What do we, if we were to daily do some things, I think we'd come out fairly high on the spiritual checklist. I think we'd do well if we did these things on a daily basis. Um, if we were to go to the doctor and he was the Marcus from 1 to 100, 100 being really good and 1 being, you know, not so good in your physical health, where would he mark you? Some of you look incredible species and wonderful physiques. You'd maybe be 80, 90, 99, I don't know. Maybe some of us might be a little lower on the physical health check. But spiritually speaking, where would we be on that line tonight? Would we be maybe someone who's flying high and man, daily we're just doing some regular things that make us spiritually strong? Or maybe, maybe the reality is, is that being honest with ourselves, we think, gee, we're a little lower. Maybe we're just the 50 percenter. Maybe we're just very average or maybe we're a bit lower than that. Now, tonight, we're not going um, to uh, somehow magically put all your scores up on the screen and say, well, you didn't quite make it. You only got 49 percent. That's not what we're about here. All I say is, wherever we are tonight, why don't we just take another step forward with what God wants us to do in our lives, continually to be spiritually strong. So what are some of the things daily that we could do just to continue to maintain spiritual growth and strength in our life? And you might find, really, the truth of these are very simple, but I find sometimes the action and the obedience to do them can be a little bit more difficult. Here's the first one, I think, daily daily every day i just think we need to read god's word I, well gee i thought you were going to come up with something a bit better than that no no just daily just read god's word uh, uh, they tell me they tell us the, the, the scholars tell us uh, that if you wanted to uh, how much time do you think it would take to read the bible they said if you were to read the bible from genesis through the old testament through new testament to the revelations at a moderate rate of speed it would take 71 hours non-stop. 
Now, all of you and I know that that's not going to happen because we need other things we need to do in that 71 hours, like sleep. So if you were to break that up, and let's just drill down a little bit and think about it, if you were to break it up into minutes over 365 days, do you know how many minutes a day it would take to read the Bible in 365 days? 12 minutes. 12 minutes at that moderate speed of reading. So of the 1,440 minutes in, a, in your day, just 12 of them devoted to reading God's Word will do an incredible good, do you good in your spiritual health, I tell you. Incredible. 12 minutes of just reading. And you'll read it in 365 days. I, I, I just think it's so simple sometimes. It's so simple that sometimes I, I take it for granted what I really need to do. I... Um, I love what Jesus said to the devil after 40 days. In Luke chapter 4, he, was, he had been taken out in the devil. He was tempted by the devil. In 40 days, he hadn't eaten anything. And uh, the devil tempted him. And, and Jesus said this. And I think this is a great verse. Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live. Man and woman, that's, that's generic. Man and woman shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Quite clearly, uh, physical bread, physical food is incredibly vital for our well-being. But Jesus, he said, but just not bread, every word of God brings life to your life. When we take God's word and start to consume it, start to chew on it, start to think about it, start to let it be not just some written word on a book, but become not just the written word, but also the rima word. In other words, some revelation or truth that he wants to show us. And that's what can happen when you read God's word. In actual fact, you could read God's word and you could be wondering about decisions and things you should do and the decisions you need to make. And you can find answers as you just read God's word as he quickens some thought to your heart. It's incredible. I think we need to do it on a daily basis. And you know, if we were to do it for 12 minutes, my goodness, how much healthier would you be spiritually? The word, the word live in this scripture here is interesting because it, it, it literally means, it literally means uh, to enjoy real life, if you were to expand it a little bit in the English. It means, and there's an emphasis on it, meaning to enjoy real life. Uh, you know, uh, some of us might have lost the ability to run and jump and do all that, but I want to tell you, with God's word in your heart, uh, the truth is, you are alive on the inside. Amen? That's what God, you know, the revelation of God's truth can make you alive on the inside. I've discovered God's word has a nourishing power. The Bible actually says it in 1 Peter. It says this as newborn babes, just like them, it's an analogy, just like newborn babes desire the pure milk. Just like they desire that milk, you know, just as they desire that, that, that milk from their mother. Desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. I want you to know it's an incredible source of, uh, of um, ability to grow spiritually, God's word. And if we were just to simply say, God, just help me to stick to a little plan. And not that it becomes some habit that becomes a dead thing, but just a a sincere desire just to take God's word and read it. Tell you what, it'll do you a world of good. The second thing I was thinking about what we need to do daily on a daily basis is, uh, is, is, is something that you may find that you might say, well, I can't really do that because I really can't sing, but it's got nothing to do with singing necessarily. And that is daily, I think you just need to worship God. 
You may say, oh, well, you know, I can't sing and I can't do what others do. You don't have to sing to worship God. Did you know that? To worship our Heavenly Father is just an acknowledgement and a reverence in your heart towards the incredible Creator, God, that we serve. To worship God is to just come and acknowledge Him and, to, and, and just to honor Him. It's coming just to say, God, I just put you first. It's, it's to come and do what that, that young man in Mark chapter 10 couldn't do when Jesus says, give up your possessions and follow me. And that is just to say, yeah, I'm just willing to just put you first in my life. The Word of God says, seek you first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you if you put God first. It's just to put God, really worship is to put God in the number one place. Because when you think about it, we worship you know, you may foresee worship as something we bow down to. and No, no, no. Worship sometimes is whatever takes first place in your heart. That's what you worship. You know, today some people worship multiple number of things. Uh, sometimes people worship the mighty dollar. Sometimes people worship, you know, the television screen. Sometimes people worship sport. Sometimes you could give me a myriad of thoughts, can't you? Psalm 95 just says this, verse 6, O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. For He is our God, and we are the people of His pastures and the sheep of His hand. And today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts, as in the rebellion, as in the day of trial in the wilderness, which is talking about Old Testament uh, um, uh, situations. But it says, let us let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel. You know, there's no particular, uh, no particular kind of stance or, or physical thing you can put yourself to say, well, this is worship. If I kneel, that, you know, I really can worship God when I kneel. It doesn't really matter. You can be in your car. You can be anywhere. But the psalmist here does make a point that whatever it is, it's more than just our, our, you know, our physical frame of where we're standing or sitting or laying or kneeling. It's more of the heart has to bow to our Heavenly Father. More of giving over of ourself. He's our God. He's the maker of us. Um, and they give the analogy here in this scripture that we're like sheep and He's the shepherd. And, uh, and you know the incredible thing that I've discovered uh, about the difference between sheep herding in Australia and sheep herding in Israel where this scripture was written is that in Israel the sheep actually follow the shepherd willingly. In Australia, we drive the sheep, don't we? Whether it's a motorbike, a helicopter, or a horse, or whatever. So in Australia, sheep don't follow shepherds. So it's not a really good analogy for Aussies. But if you were to go back to, the, to Israel, even today, you'll still see sheep as the shepherd is leading them, following the shepherd's voice. It's a great thought about where we need to be in our lives. And that's true worship when we follow our Heavenly Father, isn't it? When we actually know His voice and listen and we just honestly worship Him. Worship, I've discovered, is all about surrender more than anything else. It's about surrender. It's about surrender of my, my ways, my will, my wants. Um, and often in true worship, there's an exchange happens. And I find the exchange that happens is sometimes my stubbornness for submission, my turmoil for his peace, my desire for his desire, my fear for faith, and my sadness for joy. Who wouldn't want those things? Sometimes we forfeit that because uh, we just fail to put him first. 
you know, I was just contemplating, if your car started once every three times you turn the key, would you class it as reliable? If you, if you don't go to work once a week, are you, are you a loyal employee? If your refrigerator stops working for a day or two every fortnight, do you say, well, it worked most of the time? If the hot water system gives you a cold shower a couple times a week, is it dependable? If the postman fails to deliver the mail three months of the year, is that consistent? If we only worship or interact with God a couple times every month, can we call ourselves faithful? You see, I've come to expect the appliances that I have in my house and the people that provide services for me to do it regularly, on time, all the time. I've just come to expect that. You've come to expect that too. And, you know, we live in a pretty blessed environment and community and those things regularly do happen. We don't have electricity go out. I mean, I don't think, I couldn't, I can't think of the last time electricity went out. If you live in some countries, electricity goes out every day. But, you know, we're pretty blessed and so we've become pretty regular and we say, that's faithful. But you know what? How faithful? You know, why would I expect, why would God expect even less from us if we expect so much from everybody else? We would put him first in our life. Daily, I think we just need to worship. Daily, we just need to read his word. Daily, I just think we need to come. And, and worship, as I said, is a surrendering heart. Here's another thing I think that's really important for a spiritual checkup tonight. And, and I think this is incredibly important. And, and even if we don't actually find that we've got any problems with it, I think it's a good thing just to check. And that is, I think we just need to daily repent. <laughs> now, do, am I saying to that you've got to beat yourself up and become in condemnation about my, your life? No, 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 I'm not saying that. I, I'm just saying that as a child of God, um, we, we need to keep a humble heart before our Heavenly Father and just check, and you know, at some time in the day, say, God, is it just anything that I'm just kind of not, have I just done wrong today or anything wandering? You know, and as you just give God a moment, He'll often just bring to your memory something that you just need to sort out. See, the scripture just says this about God. Though the, through, the, through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed, okay? That's true. If God really wanted to deal with us as our sin should, you know, in our lives and the lifestyle we live, if He really wanted to deal with us, the lifestyle we live sometimes, and He had no mercy and no grace, we'd be consumed. But His mercy and grace is there. Amen? Thank God for that. Because His compassion fails not, and they are new every morning. What is new every morning? His mercy is new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, O God. Why would God say to his people, us, not just the children of Israel in the Old Testament, who this was written to in Lamentations, but also to us today in the 21st century, that his mercies are new every morning? You know why? It's because we need his mercies every morning. Because I need, I need every day to just do a little bit of a spiritual checkup and say, God, I just need your mercies today. Um, because there's things I'll fail, there's things I'll say. Now, the reality is you may do a bit of a checkup and you say, well, there's nothing wrong. There's nothing particularly wrong I've done. Well, brilliant, brilliant. But just to actually go through that exercise keeps our heart humble before God and just helps us to continue to walk in His ways. It's a daily exercise that's fantastic. It's not an examination to condemn us and beat ourselves up over the head with something. No, it's a, it's a thoughtful check just to see if any sin has built up 
any pride has been established because pride is the biggest sin of all. Sometimes we think, oh, that person done this wrong and, you know, stole, murdered, whatever. We think, that's a, oh, that's, that's not good. But, you know, I've discovered that there's a lie of the devil that roams around through Christians' hearts and he tries to push it on us every day or maybe sometimes every week or every month and that is to get us pr- proud, prideful. Not proud, but prideful. Because pride will separate us from God. Pride that, well, I'm looking good today, I've got the gear, oh gee, I'm singing well, or I'm doing this, or I'm doing that, or, oh man, I'm, look at the car I've got. You know, pride, it just doesn't cut it with God, because it separates us from Him. And so if anything, repentance does that. Um, don't let us, you know, let's just continually walk humbly before Him. Uh, as we do, you know, there was a little boy who got his hand caught in his parents' most expensive jar. And uh, they tried everything to get his hand out. Um, you know, soap suds, um, you know, cooking oil, um, graphite grease, and it just wouldn't come out. And they finally come to the conclusion they're going to have to just smash the jar with a hammer, this expensive jar, and if they're going to get their little boy's hand out. And as they're about to bring the hammer over and smash it, he says, ah, in fear, he cries out. He says, Mum and Dad, would it help if I dropped the gold coin inside? And they said, yeah, that would help. And he dropped it and his hand just slipped out. You know, sometimes we find in life that we want to hold on to stuff. And if we keep on holding on to it, something's going to get smashed. And it's often our lives. If we hold on to sin or we're unrepentant, we just hold on to our own independent ways. Something's going to get smashed, something's going to get hurt, something's going to you know, go wrong. When we just let go of it, we can have the vase and the dollar. Because when you think of it, you just turn the vase up and it'll fall out. So, you know, um, so let go of the stuff that ultimately destroys our life on a daily basis. Here's the last thought I just had for spiritual checkup. And, and this again, uh, you know... I want to say that if you walk out of here with nothing else but this one, just get this one because this is so important. On a daily basis, we just need to live in forgiveness. You may say, oh, is that really important? Yep. Because unforgiveness, it just destroys our life. To live with a sweet spirit in life, uh, I tell you, that is a good way to live. You, you, you know, you mightn't have much in the way of possessions, but if you live with a sweet spirit and a forgiving spirit, I tell you what, you've got, you've got everything. I tell you, you've got more than, than any millionaire would have. Uh, it's so important. Ephesians 4.32 this says this. Um, we'll click it. doesn't want to go. There we go. It's given up. It's the last slide. Well, let's just imagine it's up there. I must have forgot to put it up there. It says, and be kind to one another, Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, and then it says, forgiving one another. Just as God in Christ Jesus has never forgiven you? No, has always forgiven you. I'll say it again, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ Jesus forgave you. Here's the deal. As God has forgiven us, as Christ Jesus has set the platform for us to be forgiven, God says, would you duplicate that? Would you replicate Jesus' example and you forgive others? Um, Now, for some of us, that can be a pretty difficult thing because somebody might do something that's fairly nasty or bad. And that's what, you know, I want to tell you tonight, drop it. Give it over to God. And the only person sometimes that's really worrying about the issue is you. 
and you need to forgive, forget, and move on. I love what Andrew Ironside said. Remember what he said? He was talking about forgiveness when he was here preaching. He said, what did he say? Bless you, I release you. I forgive you, I bless you, I release you. I reckon that's a great way to live life. I tell you what, your spiritual thermometer will just go, it'll just go sky high if you can live in the realm of continual forgiveness. And we need to uh, forgive, don't we? Because there's always an issue. There's always things that we need to forgive. It's a process sometimes. I understand it's a process. It can take a little while, you know, gritted teeth. I forgive you. I bless you. I release you. But you know what? It's a lot healthier lifestyle to live. A lot healthier for spiritual health. Uh, Leonardo da Vinci was renowned for his incredible paintings. One of the most incredible paintings that I had the privilege of seeing was The Last Supper. It's, it's about 10 meters long. It's about the size of this curtain here. And it's massive. I saw it in a place called this thing, this museum in Paris called the Louvre. And there up on the wall is the Last Supper. The 12 disciples are there and, and Jesus is in the middle and James and John. And John's kind of leaning on Jesus' shoulder. And the whole scene is set and where they had this Last Supper before um, Jesus, of course, went to the cross. Leonardo da Vinci is painting this painting. And halfway through the painting, he, he, he obviously didn't do it in one sitting. It took several years to paint. But he, it, sometime in that process, he had, a, he had a very angry argument with a man that had caused him great grief. So he's had this argument. And, and the next day, he went back to the painting and he was to paint the face of Jesus. That was the particular day he was going to paint the face of Jesus. And he couldn't paint it because there was just so much unrest in his heart and a lack of peace. And he knew what it was. And so what he did was he found the man. He asked, the, he asked for forgiveness for his thoughts and attitudes. He got it right with the guy. He come back and he painted the face of Jesus. And sometimes I just think that in life that, um, that we can't really move forward sometimes until we really deal with the issues of unforgiveness in our heart. Till we deal with those things. Um, I think it just it, it starts to eat away at us sometimes and even destroy us. And, you know, um, I'd rather, I want to become better and not bitter in life. What about you? I want to continually get better. I don't want to live. And, you know, I just discovered this, just a, a spiritual checkup it would involve. And you might think of some other things that you need to do on a daily basis. But I just think if you could take those four things and just start to do them regularly and every day, I think you'd go a lot better. And we do a lot well in life, better in life and our spiritual life and spiritual health daily. Just God's word. Worship God. Repent. Just be, have a repentant attitude anyway. Just be humble before God and, and to daily live. How about we just have the team come back? I'd appreciate they could do that right now. we just stand together stretch your legs down that'd be great mm. the very fact that <coughs> excuse me <coughs> the very fact that you're here is the very reality that you know God's always already been working in your hearts and lives and you know even as we just worship tonight just sensing his grace and His incredible grace, His mercy and love for us. It's, in, it's powerful. And I, and I just, 
we'd love tonight, if you're here in this meeting and just want to say um, yes to Jesus. And what I mean by that is you're saying yes to Him because you've never committed your life to Jesus Christ. Never responded to Him. And tonight, I, I would just love to give you that opportunity to do that because I think that's the best decision you can make. It's the best decision. Better than any other decision you'll make. Better than who you'll marry. Better than the job you'll choose. The best decision is saying yes to Jesus because He is the He's the best friend you could ever have because he knows all about you and he still, yet he still accepts, you and accepts you and loves you. And so I want to ask you tonight, is there anybody here in this meeting that just wants to say yes to Jesus? Maybe for the very first time or maybe again. Maybe again you just want to say yes to, because you know you just need to maybe renew and refresh that commitment or response to Jesus. I'm just going to give a moment. I'd love you to raise your hand. I'll see that hand. You can put it down again. But I just love the opportunity to pray for you. If you're saying tonight, please pray for me in my situation. And I just want to say yes to Jesus. I'm just going to give you a moment to think about that. To put Jesus Christ first. Everybody's good? Okay. Opportunities passed. The second thing I'd like to just pray for people tonight is just if you, in your heart, would just want to respond by lifting your hand and saying, God, just help me to be a man or woman that would just live in that daily routine of just living for you. Now, I'm not saying you're getting all these things perfect or you're going to do them wonderfully. I'm just saying that Jesus is saying, Father, help me just to continue to move forward from where I am tonight, to continue to walk in your strength and continue to walk a lot healthier spiritual wise than I am today. Help me, Lord, just to do one thing. It might be just one thing that God is speaking to your heart tonight about what you need to do. Maybe it's just you just need to pick up God's Word and start to read it. Maybe tonight it's just that you need to spend some moments and just asking God to help you to forgive some people or whatever it may be. But tonight, just lift your hand to the Lord. I'd just love to pray for you tonight where you stand. If you're here, just, you're just being real and honest. We're not trying to pick on anybody or condemn anybody tonight. We just want you to be open and let God's Holy Spirit touch lives. Okay, God just sees your hand. So let's just pray. Father, I just commit the people tonight that have lifted their hands to you. And we're just saying, Father, we need your help. Um, because behind their hand is their heart saying, God, we need you to help us just to do one thing. And they know what that one thing may be tonight that needs to change. But Father, we'd be men and women that would run after you and not run after this world. But Father, that you would give them a strength, Father, in their walk with you to say yes to you. When you say to take up the cross, it means surrendering our independent ways and inviting you into our life and putting you first. So help them to do that, Father. God, we need you every day. And so we commit ourselves. And I commit these people to you tonight. Thank you tonight. We re just rebuke the work of the enemy. And he's trying to push us around. And tonight we make a decision to think on those things that are good and pure and right and worthy of praise. Help them to do that, Father. Help them if it's just to, to take your word up and start to read it to do that. Help if it's just to pray and talk to you, God, about life. Help them to do that, to worship or, or just to live in forgiveness or repentance. Lord, help them. 
Father, that we would draw near to you so we could be better witnesses in this world, so we can shine the light of Christ continually. And we commit ourselves to you in Jesus' name. And everyone who agreed said, Amen. Come on. Let's just sing this song tonight. And just for a moment, just worship Him. Yes, Lord, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I am found, was blind, but now I see. I can see you now in your eyes. Bring yourself down, raising up the broken to life. Father, live. Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you that you go with us. Your promise is that. We appreciate that, Lord. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.